Bibles, turn with me this morning to Acts chapter 1. If you would please, Acts chapter 1. Last week we started a series of messages that we are just simply calling more. One word in Ephesians 3, and and you you can turn to Acts chapter 1. I want to look briefly at a a passage in Ephesians 3. We're going to look at this each week in this series. These scriptures just kind of jumped out to me as, as a... Really, I'd say a promise for this year, for this church, for our lives, for my life, for your life. And one word there was so prominent, and it's the word more. And so the scripture's going to come up on the screens, Ephesians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. I want to ask you to read it with me. Can we read it aloud together? Let's do that. Ephesians 3, begin with verse 20. Let's read it together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably then all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. And we talked last week about how there's kind of four observations that I'd love for us to make out of that passage of Scripture. And that each week we were going to look at one more thing. Not, not one additional thing, but one thing about this idea of more. And last week's one more thing was this idea that more is possible. That God has more available for us. And as we looked at the story in, in the book of... Uh, John, about how Jesus fed the 5,000 with simply just, just five loaves of bread, two small fish, and how he can do more with the little that we have when we entrust it to him. And we, we started there last week. So this week, I want to I give you one more thing, and I want us to look at this, and if there's one thought that you walk away with today that's just so clear, especially if you're here and you say, I need more in my life, here's one more thing that more comes from God. We search for more in so many places. We desire more in so many ways. And we look for it in finances. And we look for it in our physical health. And we look for it in our relationships. And we think, if I can just be this, if I can just have that, then I'll have more. And what the Bible tells us so clearly is that more comes from God. Right here in this passage in Ephesians 3, it begins in this way. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. It's not us, it's God. And it's him at work within us and doing his, his work, his power, his, his, his divine work that only he can do in our lives. When that happens, that's when we experience more. So today, in Acts chapter 1, we're going to look at a story of some people. If there were ever people who needed more, it was these people in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1. And as we look at their story, we're simply going to walk through this passage of Scripture, look at their story. I want to share with you five things to remember when you need more. If you're at a place in your life where you say, I need more, I need more from God, and you, you can define it, you can identify what that is. We talked about it last week. Remember we talked about identifying what is your more, calling it out, saying this is the part of my life, God, where I need you to do something more in my life. And if you are there, today I want to share with you five things to remember when you need more. Acts chapter 1, let's jump right in and look at what we see here. Let me give you just a little bit of context. Acts chapter 1, this is happening at the, the end of the Gospels, now the beginning of the story of the church. So Jesus has come, he has lived a sinless life, he has died for our sins, he has been raised from the dead, and now he's back and he's with his disciples for 40 days before he ascends back to heaven, where he sits today. And if you were here the last few weeks, you you know that we're waiting for his return. And now he's in heaven. But there was this day in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, we'll actually see it today, where Jesus left earth and he went to heaven after he'd been with his disciples 40 days 
after his resurrection. And so there's this very key thing that happens here because you had the disciples who had leveraged everything. They bet the farm on the fact that Jesus was the Messiah. They left their businesses. They walked away from family and relationships. They put themselves in a place to suffer persecution and maybe even put their very lives, no, they actually put their very lives on the line betting on the fact that Jesus was the one that was promised who would come and would rescue them and then he died. Do you know what it's like to feel like that all your hope is gone? And they lost, they lost everything. And for those three days, they wondered, what is this all about? And then Jesus comes back from the dead. And we, we just looked at that at Easter several weeks ago. And we know that he returned from death to life. Could you imagine how stoked these people were? <laughs> He's back. We didn't know that could happen. This is awesome. And now he's with them. And now he begins to talk to them about the fact that I died and I rose again. And here I am and I'm back. But boys, I'm going to take off again. And I'm going to leave you again. How do you think they felt about that? Not too good. Probably stressed them out. Probably had them wondering, what is this all about? If there was ever anyone who needed more, it was these people, wasn't it? Those who were followers of Jesus, who had lost everything, got it back, and now he says he's leaving again. And so where does this come in? Five things to remember, five things to remember when you need more. Let's start with verse 3, Acts chapter 1. After his suffering, Jesus presented himself to them, speaking of his disciples, and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. If anyone ever needed more, it was his disciples at that moment, and he shows them, look, I'm back, I'm alive, and I'm telling you, there's a future. He talks to them about the kingdom of God. He says, look, I've got great promises in store for you if you'll trust in me. Watch what he says next, verse 4. On one occasion... While Jesus was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So here were the disciples. They knew Jesus was going to leave them. He'd been talking like this. They couldn't fully understand what was going on, fully understand what was going to happen. They just know he'd been making these promises. And he says to them, I'm going to give you a promise. There is something coming. I need you to hold on. I need you to wait for this. I need you to realize that you need to wait for God to bring you the more that you will need, which is the first thing I hope you'll remember. Number one, the Holy Spirit brings more of God to our lives. The Holy Spirit brings more of God to our lives. Now, as a church, theologically, we believe in what's called the the Holy Trinity, that Scripture teaches that God is, is one person. We only worship one God. There's just one God, but he reveals himself in Scripture and in life in three persons. And we know them as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And if that's a new thought to you, and you're going, how do I wrap my brain around that? God is one but we see him in three persons. And you're saying, that's, that's a mystery. How do I figure it out? The answer to that is, it's a mystery. It's hard to figure out, right? And there's some things that I think God says to us, look, just enjoy the mystery of it. Understand that I do things in a way that are different than what we understand. And God reveals himself to us in a way that is perfect, even if we can't fully comprehend it. And he does it in three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, as you'll see in this passage, brings more of God to our lives. 
Now, Jesus said to the disciples, how, how did he say it in, in, in verse um, 4? He says, wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. So I want to look at some of the things that Jesus said about the Holy Spirit. For starters, let's look at John chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus talked to them about the Holy Spirit. Here's what he said. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. And so now Jesus introduces them to this idea of the Holy Spirit. For them, this is new. Now, as you read through the Old Testament, you see the Holy Spirit at work all through the Old Testament. But in the New Testament, he's revealed through the person of Jesus Christ and that personal empowerment and that personal encounter we can have in a way that, that's so real. And Jesus says, look, guys, I want you to understand what this will be like. So a couple of things that are important for us to recognize. First is this, that the person of the Holy Spirit, like Jesus, is God and continues today what Christ himself did while on earth. There's a couple of key things there. In fact, if you're taking notes, you probably want to want to scratch that down. That the Holy Spirit is a person. Is the person of the Holy Spirit. Sometimes you'll hear the Holy Spirit referred to as it. Is the Holy Spirit an it? No, he's, he's a person. He's real. And like Jesus, he's not, he's not different. He's God, like Jesus. And he continues today what Christ himself did while on earth. So Jesus said to the disciples, look, when I leave, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And he is going to come and continue my presence, my power, my work in you. And how much cooler it is because for the disciples, for them to experience that power, for them to experience that presence, they had to physically be in proximity of Jesus. But with the Holy Spirit, he's with us all the time and with all of us, no matter where we are, no matter where we go. In fact, he is there in such a powerful way. And the word that's used here in the New International Version is that he's the advocate. Some Bible versions would use the word counselor. Some Bible versions use the word helper. What's used there is, is a Greek word that we often refer to the Holy Spirit as the paraclete. And it's a word that's unique to us because it has, has meanings that go beyond what we can maybe just define in one English word. It has this idea of a helper. It has this idea of a counselor. It has this idea of an intercessor, someone who, who seeks God on our behalf. It has this idea of someone who brings us strength as an advisor. The, the Greek word is paraclete. And it means one who comes alongside to help. One who is there to help you, to sustain you, to guide you, to direct you. It's someone who is, who is right there with you. And that's a powerful truth. And it's key for us to grasp and understand. The Holy Spirit is the one called alongside to help us. We don't go through life on our own. And for many of us, this is a difficult concept for us to grasp. And, and it's actually a challenge for those <coughs> excuse me, who take the scriptures and translate it into other languages. There's a story that's told about a, a group of Bible translators who were in equatorial Africa, and they were working in what was called the Kar language, and it proved to be very difficult for the translators to find words in the Kar language that would match up to the different principles in the New Testament, especially when it came to this word paraclete, helper, advisor and they were trying to find a word that when they would use it the people in that culture the people in that language would immediately understand the idea and the context 
And one day the translators came across this group of, of porters. Their, their job in this African tribe was to go into the bush and they would carry bundles of things on their heads. And they would carry these, these materials deep into the jungles that they were working in. And they noticed that in this line of, of porters, these individuals who would carry things, there, there was always one individual who wouldn't carry anything. He would just walk alongside of them. So they just assumed that that person was the boss. That he was there to make sure that everyone else did their work. However, here's what they discovered. They discovered he wasn't the boss. They discovered that the guy who walked alongside of everyone, not carrying anything, had a special job. He was there so that if anyone should fall over with exhaustion, he would come and pick up the man's load and carry it for him. And in the car language, here's what the word meant. They had a special name for him. And if you translated the name, it meant this, the one who falls down beside us. And the translators then said, we now have our word for paraclete. The Holy Spirit is the one who comes alongside of us. And when the load is too heavy, when the burden seems too much, when we feel like we're not strong enough, he's the one who is called alongside to help. In the card language, it means he, he falls down beside you and helps you to get up and carry the load that you can't carry on your own. That's what the Holy Spirit is in our lives. And what I love what Jesus says when he defines it in, in verse 17. He says, he lives with you and he will be in you. Two things that I hope you'll grasp these concepts that are there. The first is this. You can have confidence because the Holy Spirit lives with you. You can have confidence as you go through your life, as you go through your days, as you go through your struggles, as you celebrate your victories. You can have confidence and know that the Holy Spirit is right there with you. Does, does anybody remember learning how to ride a bike? You remember learning how to ride a bike? Man, I loved my training wheels. I loved them. And I was a bad man with those training wheels. And then my cousin, who lived next door to me, who was a year younger than me, and don't think we ever had a competitive spirit between the two of us, right? Lived next door a year younger, learned how to ride his bike without the training wheels sooner than I did. Yeah, you're telling me. Yeah, that stirred up a little holy fire in my belly, I'll tell you that. So I remember, you know, wanting to learn, how do I learn how to ride my bike without the training wheels? Now, if you've been around Calvary for a while, you probably have already picked up. I'm probably one of the most coordinated people on planet Earth, right? <laughs> so this was going to be a stretch. You take the training wheels off. And then I didn't grow up in the city. I grew up out in the country. We didn't have sidewalks. We had a gravel driveway. My parents said, that'll make that boy tough. That's what they thought, Right. So you go out there, here's what you know. If you're going to go out there and learn how to ride that bike, I was thankful that my dad would walk and run and go alongside of me so that when I got wobbly, when things got tough, when I couldn't do it on my own, you know what, he was right there, wasn't he? If you're a parent, you know what that's like. And you just pray that there's an oxygen tank on the other end of that sidewalk, right? Because you're running until that child is able to pick up the momentum and have the balance and sustain themselves. But until they do, you are right there with them. You know why I was able to learn how to ride my bike without training wheels? Because I had confidence that somebody was right there beside me in case anything should happen. Does that make sense? Look, for some of you, you don't do this, but you could go home right now because that's what you needed to hear. You can have confidence and know that the Holy Spirit lives with you. But even more than that, here's what Jesus says. You, because at some point, at some point, dad stops, you ride your bike, and you're on your own. 
But the Holy Spirit goes even deeper than that. Not only does he live with us and we can have confidence, but here's the second thing. You can have strength because the Holy Spirit will be in you. He's not just alongside of you that you can rely on him in every part of your life, but when you need that strength, when you need that empowerment, and we'll, we'll, we'll unpack this here in just a few moments, but you can have strength. I don't know what you're facing today that you wonder, do I have the strength to be the parent I'm supposed to be? Do I have the strength to be the student I'm supposed to be? Can I do this job? For some of you, you're coming to church, but you're just not even so sure you got the strength to be the Christian you feel like you're supposed to be. To accomplish God's call in your life. Or maybe even just to get things right with God. Look, you can have strength because the Holy Spirit will be in you. So what is it that the Holy Spirit does? Well, let's go back into Acts chapter 1. I'll show you a couple of things. Look at verse 6 here. Now remember, they thought Jesus was going to be the one who was going to come and was going to free them from captivity. If you're not familiar with the story of the New Testament, the Jews were under Roman Captivity. They were under their domination. And the Jews thought that someone would come and rescue them from Rome. The believers thought that that was Jesus. And they thought he was going to be a military leader. That he was going to raise people up to, to take over and rebel against Rome. Jesus didn't come to set them free from Rome. He came to set them free from sin, right? But the disciples hadn't completely figured that out yet. Look at verse 6 of Acts chapter 1. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Three years, death, resurrection, teaching, all these things he walks them through, and they still just do not get it. Do you know anybody? Have you ever seen anybody that dense? Do you know people who are just dense? Do you see them every morning when you look in the mirror? It's me. And here's the deal. Second thing I want you to see. These guys don't get this until later in the book of Acts. One more chapter, and then the light bulb comes on for them. They're like, ah! Oh, now we get it. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit enlightened them. Number two, the Holy Spirit helps us understand more. The Holy Spirit helps us understand more. When you go through life and say, look, I just don't understand. The Holy Spirit helps us to understand more. The disciples did not understand what was happening, but they will in the next chapter. When you get to Acts chapter two, they go, oh, light bulb moment. Now we get it. Now we see it. Now we understand. And Jesus told him this. He said, look, the Spirit will come. We already have seen him refer to the Holy Spirit as the Spirit of truth. Two more things where, where Jesus said stuff. Look at this with me. John chapter 14, verse 25. When Jesus is explaining the Holy Spirit to the disciples, he says, all this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things, and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Don't you appreciate it when someone reminds you of the things you're supposed to know? There's a few people on our staff who I'm pretty sure they need to have in their job description remind Chad that he forgot that. It's wonderful that there are people who can come alongside of you and say, Hey, don't, don't you remember this? Look at what else the Holy Spirit does. Verse six, or, or, uh, I'm sorry, John chapter 16, verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. 
He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me, because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the Father is mine. That is why I said the Spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. The Holy Spirit at work in the life of the follower of Jesus Christ brings this understanding to us. He helps us. Let me give you some words that might help to apply this to your life. Discernment, wisdom, and truth come to the believer through the Holy Spirit. If you need these things in your life, if you're facing a situation and at some point you know that your own mental capacities are tapped out, and you say, look, I need discernment because I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do here. I need wisdom because this situation is above my pay grade. (laughs) And I need truth because I I can't figure out what's right and wrong here. If you're looking for that in your life, it comes through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so many times we struggle with that. We try to figure it out on our own when the Holy Spirit is there to help us. Have any of you ever bought a, bought a movie and on DVD and then one of the features that's on there is the director's commentary? Have you ever seen that? Anybody ever done that? Where you put the movie in and then you can watch the movie, but over top of the movie, the, the director or some of the, the key people in making the movie make comments the whole time. So they can tell you the stories behind how this happened and the techniques they used and the backstory. And if you're interested in more than just watching the movie and finding out exactly what happened, this is kind of a cool thing. You can sit there and you can learn. Because while you watch the movie, you hear the voices of someone who understood how it happened. The Holy Spirit in your life is kind of like that director's commentary where the Spirit leads you and guides you and gives you insight that you would not have in any other way. And for many of us, we just, we kind of barrel through life on our own and we never stop to, to, we never stop to ask for directions. We never stop to listen. The reason why God's word comes alive when we read it is that it's not just another book, but it's spirit-inspired. And the Holy Spirit speaks to us through his word. And listen, if we are not open to what the Spirit says, we will miss out on what the Spirit does. That's like like something you'd put your stake in for a while. Let that marinate for a minute. If we're not open to what the Spirit says, we will miss out on what the Spirit does. I don't believe I've told this story in this setting, and if I have, just act like it's really good and blessed you. How's that sound? Okay. Is that, uh... But I was in the hospital last year visiting some folks and went in at the wrong entrance and had to walk the whole it was a Toledo hospital, and I thought it was in the old part, and here it was in the new part, and I'm back and forth, and I had to walk through the whole you know, old place, and I get off the elevator, and there's some people that I know, and they were standing there, and they were wrestling with a health issue with somebody in their family. And it was just God's divine timing. Have you ever had those moments where you're like, God, thanks for that frustrating experience because you used it to use me. And so I had a chance to to stop and and to pray with them and and it was really kind of cool. And so I went and visited folks I was visiting. In fact, I was there for um, at least an hour. And when I walked out, I had to walk, you know, all the way back to the other side. And as I'm walking, I thought to myself, it'd be really cool to bump into those folks again and be able to just kind of encourage them. So I got right up to the elevator and I felt this impression of the Holy Spirit to wait, to stop. And I'll just, I'll just be real honest before you, you know, think more of me than you should. More times than not, I blame that on a passing thought in my head and I go right on with my day. You too? And sometimes you need to just say, okay, Holy Spirit, 
I'm going to bank on the fact that that's you. And so right by the elevator was a chair. And so I sat down and I pulled out my phone and I'm just kind of waiting. And I was going through email. And so I finished up, sent a couple of texts, finished up my email. I was supposed to be somewhere. And so I put my phone back in my pocket and I stood up and I was like, all right, God, I gave you a chance. You know, this kind of thing. I don't hear the audible voice of God. And this doesn't happen too often. But I just felt in my spirit that the Holy Spirit said to me, I didn't tell you to get up. (laughs) So I sat back down. And it was awkward. And it was weird. Because I'm just sitting there. People walking by. Hey, what's happening? Good to see you. Check out Calvary. You know, this kind of thing. People walking by, right? And within a few awkward moments, guess who came walking through the other doors? Hour and ten minutes later. Those same folks. And I had a chance to walk with them and talk with them and hopefully encourage them. And really believe that that wasn't just some random occurrence, but that it was a divine appointment. I didn't want to do it. And as I got in my car, I thought, Lord, how many times have I missed that? Because here's the deal. Here's the truth. If you're not open to what the Spirit says, you'll miss out on what the Spirit does. Will you listen when the Holy Spirit wants to speak to your heart? Because oftentimes, friends, it's this real faint, still small voice that we've got to learn to recognize. But as we, as we listen and as we learn to hear his voice, he'll, he'll lead us to do exciting things through the power of his spirit in our lives. Let's go back to the text then, Acts chapter 1, verse 7. So Jesus said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Third thing I want you to see today, if you're in need of more in your life, number three, the Holy Spirit gives us more power for more effective living. Now, I'm not entirely sure that's grammatically correct, but I think it's actually theologically true that the Holy Spirit gives us more power for more effective living in our lives. So Jesus says, when the Holy Spirit comes on you, you will receive power so that you can be my witnesses. Here's how the Old Testament says it. Zechariah chapter 4 verse 6. Not by might, nor by power, but by my what? By my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And this is so truth for us. And this word power here is not talking about strength. It's not just talking about uh, ability. It's talking about action. It's talking about putting it into response. It's talking about that power, not just kind of potential, but actual, that it works up in our lives, that it works out in our lives, that it is active in our lives. It is the strength that we need. It is the ability that we need. Actually put into practice, the Holy Spirit empowers us to fulfill God's purposes for his kingdom and for our lives. What were the disciples called to do? They were called to be witnesses. And Jesus is the only way that you're going to be the witnesses that I want you to be. The only way that you're going to be the parent that he's called you to be. The only way that you're going to be the leader that he's called you to be. The husband or the wife or the father or the son or the brother or the sister or the employee or the employer or the follower of Christ. The only way you're going to make a difference in the world that he's called you to make. The only way that you're going to be able to fulfill the purposes that I know he has for your life is if you do it through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because if you try to do it on your own, it's just lame. It just falls short. 
Even if you think you are incredibly effective and incredibly skilled and incredibly blessed in who you are, I can tell you it falls short to what the Holy Spirit can do because the Holy Spirit empowers us to fulfill God's purposes for his kingdom and for our lives. Our, our, our kind of springboard text for this series is Ephesians 3.20 where it says that God is able to do immeasurably more. Four verses before that in Ephesians 3.16, Paul says this, look at this. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Where does power come from in our lives? It comes from the Holy Spirit at work in us. What kind of power is it? Listen to this, 2 Timothy 1.7. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. We need the Holy Spirit's power at work in our lives to do what God's called us to do. For some of you, you wrestle with your purpose in life. For some of you, you struggle with your effectiveness. For some of you, you wonder, why can't I have victory over that sin that keeps trying to bring me down? For some of you, you wonder, why is it that the days seem so hard for me? For some of you, you wonder why you find no fulfillment in life. And I can tell you that there may be a chance that you're trying too hard to do it on your own. Without the Holy Spirit, we lack the power to live life to the full. Without the Holy Spirit, we lack the power to live life to the full. Do you remember what John 10, 10 said? It says that Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And that's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. That's why the Holy Spirit's at work in our lives. That's why this passage in Acts chapter 1 is so critically important. Because without the Holy Spirit's power, we lack the ability to live life to the full. We miss out on what God would want to do in our lives. We find ourselves in a place where we're just dead in the water. Do you remember the story two years ago, February 10th, 2013? A fire broke out in the engine room of the Carnival cruise ship Triumph. Do you remember this? And for four days, it just floated in the Gulf of Mexico. Now, there's the cruise you paid for, right? That's why they call Carnival the fun ships, right? They gave me an extra four days. Just floating out there with nothing. More than 4,200 passengers and crew were left in limbo. They lost power, and it was the power that made it possible to flush the toilets keep cool, preserve and cook perishable foods. They reported long lines for food, shortages of fresh water, illnesses, widespread boredom. Worst of all, widespread boredom, right? I mean, there they are, dead in the water. The ship finally ported safely in Mobile, Alabama on February 14th. Happy Valentine's Day, sweetheart. Remember the pictures, news crews, helicopters flying out alongside of them? And you thought these people were stuck on Gilligan's Island. Get over it. It was just four days. Try a three-hour tour gone bad for your whole life, right? (laughs) Carnival expected to lose hundreds of millions of dollars due to this incident. You know what they did? That was February 14th. By June of that year, the Triumph set sail again. This time it was completely outfitted with the new emergency power capabilities because they knew that when the power goes out, the party's over, right? For some of you, your life is dead in the water. The power's gone out and you're stuck. And I can tell you this. It may be that you're trying to cruise through life without the Holy Spirit's power at work in your life. You're trying to do it on your own. 
And scripture just makes it very clear that the power to be what God has called us to be comes through the Holy Spirit at work. Without the Holy Spirit, we will never know how much more God could do in our lives. Without the Holy Spirit, we will never know how much more God could do in our lives. And let me just, let's just get real practical for just a moment. For some of you, we like God the Father because we can at least find some kind of an earthly concept to that in our minds. And we like God the Son and Jesus Christ because what a cool story. It's every superhero story, isn't it? One man saves the world. And he did it for me. He died on a cross. He rose from the dead. This is powerful. God the Father, I get that. God the Son, I get that. God the Holy Spirit, I don't necessarily get that so much. In fact, when we talk about a Holy Spirit, oftentimes that word spirit, for many of us, kind of creeps us out because we can't see it, I can't touch it, I can't control it. In fact, when I grew up, we didn't use the word Holy Spirit. We used the word Holy Ghost, right? There's a ghost. I grew up watching Casper the Friendly Ghost. It's a little creepy. God doesn't mean for it to be creepy. He means for it to be supernaturally, naturally, super amazing. And what I want you to see, and we don't have time to unpack it all today, that in Acts chapter 1, they get the promise. Jesus says, look, when the Holy Spirit comes, you will receive power. And in Acts chapter 2, they receive it. Here's what we're going to do. This is a, this is a two-part message. And, and we don't have time to unpack it all today. But on Wednesday night this week, in our, in our Wednesday night Bible study, I'm going to take Acts chapter 2 and show you what happened when they received the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And we're going to look at a pattern that happens in the book of Acts. And for many of you, you're hearing me talk today, and you're saying, okay, power to understand, power to do what God wants for me to do, power, I need that, I want that help, I'm dead in the water without it, Chad, what do I do to receive it? Well, Acts chapter 2 brings us to that point. So I, I implore you to be here Wednesday night. If, if this is something that's stirring in your heart, I challenge you, Wednesday night, 7 o'clock, this room, because we're not only going to see what God's word says, but then we're going to take time to talk about it. Here's what happens to the disciples. Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Look at this. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. That's a passage of scripture that makes you go, huh? Wow, cool, man. And all of you had different responses with that. And we're going to unpack that on Wednesday night. And if you are hungry for more, if you need that power in your life, I, I, I implore you to be here. 7 o'clock this room, we're going to take a look at that passage of Scripture. But let me show you before we get there two more things that I think you need to see that the disciples saw. Let's go back to the text. Acts chapter 1, verse 9. After Jesus said this about power, Jesus was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Remember what Jesus said to them in Acts chapter 1 verse 4? He said, you need to wait in Jerusalem. You need to hang out here until the Father gives you this gift. So then Jesus, out on the Mount of Olives, he goes up in the air. They're standing there just kind of looking like, okay, boys, now what? Like, is he coming back? Is this like some kind of reverse bungee thing? What's going on here? 
And all of a sudden, there's two angels. And the angels basically say to them, don't just stand there, do something. The the tone is not just informative. It's a reproach. It's correction. Saying, look, you, you weren't created to just stand there. You're not supposed to be just in one place gawking at Jesus, waiting for him to do something. He told you what to do. If you want this power, then you need to do something. Here's the fourth thing I hope you'll see if you need more. Don't just stand there. Do something for more. Whatever God has asked you to do, whatever he is working in your heart, make a decision to put yourself in a place of action. Make a decision to say, I'm not just going to stand here, God, and maybe hope you do something. Especially because he's already probably put something in your heart and said, this is the next step. Now, I don't know what that is. It may actually be just for you to, to say, God, I need to be right with you. Maybe it's a matter of something that needs to change in your life. Maybe it's a matter where you need to prepare, prepare for something. Maybe it's a matter where you need to repent. Maybe you need to repair a relationship. Maybe you need to seek for something more of him. But I want you to see this and start here. We cannot expect Holy Spirit empowerment without personal obedience. We cannot expect Holy Spirit empowerment in our lives without personal obedience. When we first say, God, I'm ready to do what you've asked me to do. What has, what has God's Spirit asked you to do? What is it that you've read in his word that jumped off the page and said to you, this is what I need to do? What have you heard in church? What, what, has, what has come to your spirit from God that lines up with his word? And you just, you just know this is where I need to start. Whatever it is, if you want more from him, you've got to realize this. We cannot expect Holy Spirit empowerment unless we start with personal obedience. And here's the deal. Um, and we've used this analogy before. But your car's not going to move until you put it in gear. So what did the disciples do? One last thing. Go back to the text. Acts chapter 1 verse 12. Then the disciples returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. And those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James. And they all, watch this, They all joined together constantly in prayer. Did you see that? Listen to what it said there. They all joined together constantly in prayer. There's something significant there. Did you read that? They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Jesus told them to wait. Here's something so significant. This is where the whole thing starts. Number five, if we want more, we must pray more. If we want more, we must pray more. And for some of us, that's really affirming because we've seen that to be true in our lives. For others of us, and, I, and I'll, I'll admit, oftentimes this week, <laughs> I'm in this camp. It's a little bit discouraging because I'm really busy, right? And I'm having a hard time doing everything I've got to do. And then Gilligan told me, I've got to pray more? This is what Scripture says. If we want more, we must pray more. Let's start with a, with a couple of things that I think are key for us to recognize. The first is this. Prayer changes things, right? Amen? Amen. James chapter 5, verse 16. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We know this. Scripture tells us that. that When we pray, God does powerful things through our prayers. 
But oftentimes, we take this idea of prayer and we limit it simply to the times that I kneel by my bed on my knees for hours at a time. And prayer is not just that, but it is also being in constant relationship and communication with God. Isn't that true? See, sometimes we make prayer out to be this this action that we have to completely just stop everything else and commit ourselves to, when actually, don't you think God wants us to live with him every moment of every day? I know you can't quit your job to pray, but can you pray while you're on your job? You can't just ignore your family so you can pray for them, but how about you pray for them while you're not ignoring them? How's that sound? Maybe there was a, there was a, there was a sermon in that for somebody. <laughs> Eat it out of personal conviction. Look, here's how this works. It's a matter of desire and expectation. It's asking God in faith. And when we do, he's ready for that. Luke chapter 11, verse 13. If you then, Jesus is comparing godly fathers to the heavenly father. And he says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We already looked at this last week. God desires to give us more. It is God's desire to give you the presence and power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You don't have to ask if it's a yes or a no. The answer is absolutely, unequivocally yes. It is God's desire to give you the presence and power of the Holy Spirit at work in your life. And he wants to come alongside of you. And he wants to help you. In some ways, he's just waiting to be asked. And look, friends, if if you and I are going to experience more in our lives, it has to start there. When we were were making the move. Have any of you ever moved from one house to another? Any of you ever done that? I mean, most of us have done that at some point. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of activity. You should imagine moving a, a church that's been in one building for 20-some years from one location to another. I mean, it was quite an endeavor when we moved down here in, in 2012. And I remember at one point, we, there, was a, there was a gentleman in the church that has some, some trucks as a part of his company, and so he had offered the trucks and one of his crews to come out and to help us to move. And it was, it was a blessing like you would not believe. And so um, this, this guy, this crew captain right here, and, and, and our staff had all this stuff ready and lined up and we knew the truck was coming. We didn't really realize what all was coming. And uh, we, had, we had the truck all lined up and uh, the truck showed up and we had tables in one hallway and we had chairs in another and we had boxes all over the place and we were, we were set and we had this army of volunteers that just to be quite honest was, was, was well-meaning but had not been lifting weights, if that makes any sense, right? Okay? And we were ready to go. And my friend pulled up in this truck and he hopped out and he said, show me what you got. And we walked through the building and he looked at things. He says, what do you think we should do? To me, I was like, well, I got all these people and we're ready to go, man. We're ready to make it happen. We're ready to, he goes, I have a suggestion. He says, what's that? Or I says, what's that? He looked at me and he says, how about you go find some place to sit down for a little while and let me take care of this. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no, man, we got, I got people, I got stuff, I got, and he looked at me and basically said, yeah, but you don't have muscles. He says, look, I know what I'm doing. We do this all the time. And you're, you're actually just going to be in the way. So is there anything else you need to do? I'm like, oh, watch you. He's like, all right, man, go for it. And he and his crew came in there and moved that stuff out of there faster than I could ask or imagine. It was so much more. I just had to be willing to ask and let him do it. 
See, look, the only way you're going to have more is if you pray more. The only way you're going to be open to hearing the Holy Spirit is if you actually listen. The only way you're fully going to experience what God has for us is if you take time and literally pray that prayer, Holy Spirit, rain down. Holy Spirit, come to work in my life. Our prayers invite the Spirit's presence in our lives. Our prayers invite the Spirit's presence in our lives. And so today, that's what we're going to do. We're going to take time and we're going to seek God. We've purposely carved out the last few moments of this service to go back into a time of worship. And here's what I'm going to ask you to do strategically, personally. The last two weeks, I've asked you to call out where is the more in your life? What is it that you need in your life? Where do you need God to be active in your life? And I'm going to ask you in these next few moments, just like Jesus told the disciples to do, to wait, to slow down for just a minute and say, God, what I need in my life is more from you. So right where you're at, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes for just a moment? And I I don't know what it is for you. I don't know exactly where you're at. But would you right now just call out that more? Where is it that you say, God, I'm, we sang this song before the message, God, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for more of you. God, I need more of you in my life. Name that thing right now. Is it your family? Is it your job? Is it your physical strength? Is it your spiritual stamina? I don't know what it is. But God, I need more from you. And as we wait on the Lord, be reminded that Isaiah 40 tells us that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. And that God will bring his power to us. That the Holy Spirit is present to be more of God in our lives. And he can help you to understand. And he can help you to have the power you need to be effective in what God's called you to do. So don't just stand there. Do something. Open up your heart to hear from him because we know that if we want more, we need to seek him. We need to wait on him. We need to pray more. And so now that you've kind of named that more in your heart, would you stand with me? Just kind of right where you are. And I'm going to ask Dustin and the team to lead us in worship for these next few moments. And oftentimes on Sundays, it's easy for us to just kind of disconnect. We stand there, we watch, we look at the screens, we hum along. I'm going to ask you to do something, I I don't know, more. I'm going to ask you to be open to sing that song. Maybe maybe you'd usually just stand there. Maybe just, just at least move your lips a little bit, all right? How's that sound? Maybe for some of you, you've watched some people raise their hands in worship. You thought maybe they were just stretching. That's a biblical encouragement to reach out to the Lord and ask him to work in your life. Maybe you've never done it before, but maybe today you're just like, okay, God, I'll do this. Whatever it might be in these next few moments, don't simply disconnect. Allow God to do something more in your life. In fact, if you're comfortable, would you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? Father, in this moment, God, we ask you to work in our lives. God, we ask you to, by your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, to empower us, bring your understanding to us, bring more life to us. Lord, we're hungry today. Lord, we want more of you. Jesus, we're hungry for more of you. With every head up and every eye open, and I'm not just saying, um, you know, hey, yeah, thanks, that was, that was good. But if you're here, and I want to pray for you, and you'd say, 
thanks God that was just for me today. Would you raise your hand? And just thanks God that was just for me today. Man, if you're standing next to somebody like that, just put your hand on their shoulder. You don't need to know anymore. We're just going to pray for one another before we go. Father, we come to you. And Lord, as we've sung, we are hungry for more of you. We're thirsty, Jesus, for what you want to do in our lives. Because we've tasted other things. We've tried other stuff. And God, it just doesn't satisfy. So Holy Spirit, would you bring more of God to our lives? Lord, this week, help us understand we're open to hear what you say so that we don't miss what you want to do. And Lord, we don't want our lives to be dead in the water, so would you empower us by your Spirit? Lord, when it's the right moment, just speak to our heart and say, don't just stand there, do something. And as we go through every moment of every day this week, would you remind us that if we want more, then it's up to us to ask for it. And that when we do, your power, Holy Spirit, will empower us to live our lives more to the fool that you have for us. And now, Lord, as we go from here, would you go with us? Send us out with your special favor and your wonderful peace. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday. Thanks for being here.